Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast from Grace Anglican Church of Grove City, Pennsylvania. Our goal in every sermon is to proclaim the bold truth of the Word of God, especially the undiluted grace of Jesus Christ. If you want to learn more about our church, check out our website at graceanglicanonline.com. He came to us armed and ready with this broken body, with this flowing blood, with this cloven heart, because you were seen, you were always seen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. If you've come to this church with some frequency, you know that I make fun of my Italian in-laws with constancy. But truth be told, I've loved the fact that I got to marry into an Italian family. I mean, my family has Germanic and British roots, so we all have ulcers and we're all very repressed. And, uh, but I married into this lovely Italian chaos, and, uh, and it's just so culturally different than my own familial experience growing up, you know. But the, the highlight of this new experience has to do, of course, with food not just because of the caliber of the cuisine, but because of the ritual that is involved in nearly every family meal. Because the food is intertwined with and um, creates, in fact, conversation and opportunities for bonding. Because I sit there and I just, I watch it and I take it in how they all recall the same stories, you know, year after year. They all tell the, the same jokes. A few of the jokes go too far and create all sorts of angry responses. And then somebody cries. And and then somebody apologizes, and they try to make it right. And then they start um, drinking wine, and then they speak in Italian to each other, so I won't understand what they're saying. You know? Uh, But there's a a ritual to all of this. Uh, Now, why do they do this? Well, because they're recentering what they're doing in those meals. They're recentering. It's a recentering ritual, uh, meaning they're regrounding the family in all of the most important things that bind them together, like love and mutual care and support, past hurt, reconciliation, uh, family history. All of those things work together and are exemplified in those meals, and they bind the family unit together. And this recentering ritual that I've now experienced more times than I can count has affected me quite deeply, actually. And um, as I've eaten and laughed and listened, I've also, by doing so, joined the family and have been shaped by the family. And now my expectations for family and my understanding of family has broadened in really good ways because of these sacred-like meal experiences, yeah. Well, what we're experiencing tonight together is not dissimilar. It's just deeper. Uh, you know, Jesus' mother religion of Judaism is filled with recentering rituals, and many of them have to do with meals. And the most important recentering ritual was the Passover, the Passover meal. That is, a feast that helped people 
old people and young people come together and recall the most central event in Jewish history, which is the emancipation from 400 years worth of slavery in Egypt, where they, a struggling, suffering people, a minority group, uh, were miraculously liberated through God's invasive providence. And they were so impacted by this uh, that they kept this festival year after year, remembering and being regrounded and recentered in their identity. That is, the Passover feast shows us who we are. And as we speak to each other about this great happenstance and as we consume these sacred foods, uh, we are, in a sense, uh, re-engaging with our identity. Um, and so God's recentering Jewish community experiences uh, that recentering not only because of truths that were passed down, but foods that were consumed in light of those truths. So they consumed salt water and bitter herbs and unleavened bread and wine so they could smell the story, taste the story, swallow the story, and thereby be re-identified with their core uh, story. Well, Jesus, as you may know, observe, uh, was very observant regarding the Jewish feasts, and he actually hosted many of his own dinner parties as well, and in, you know, many fringy people showed up at them. But he was able to evidence the welcoming grace of God at those events. But before Jesus' darkest uh, cross-shaped crisis, he gave his disciples this new meal, and it is truly the recentering ritual where Jesus takes the old Passover feast and some of the elements within that Passover feast, some of the foods, and modifies it in a really wondrous and new way. And he fulfills in some ways the meaning of the old Passover feast by saying, and this is what I want to talk about tonight just briefly, this is my body given for you. This is my blood shed for you. Do this in memory of me. I want to make a few comments about those words in Jesus' recentering ritual. First, simply notice that Jesus gave us a meal. I know that sounds obvious, but it's really not obvious as to why he would do so. But Jesus came not only to provide us with ideas and doctrine and intellectual scaffolding to you know, give our life some strength, provide us with a worldview and so forth, no, Jesus gave us a spirituality that we could chew. Uh, Christianity is a very earthy religion. It's a gritty religion about a God who enters this world in human frail flesh and then takes that human form and lays it down upon the splintering hard wood of the cross for his own personal annihilation and then feeds us with a real meal of real bread and real wine. Uh, spirituality that we can chew. You know, the act of eating is a very profound thing because it's about material transfer. It's taking that which is outside of you and bringing it to dwell inside of you. Uh, right? Food is ingested, and then its very nourishment is incorporated into every organ that you have. And every cell of your body is eventually affected by what you consume. Well, the religious act of eating communicates the fact that truth, that truth, God's truth is not to linger outside of you. 
you know, in some sort of idea, amoebic form, that's divorced from who you are. But it's to be ingested, taken deep within the self, so that it can alter the course of the self. Uh, so it can be integrated with the self. And so what does Jesus do? He gives us a meal of truth because he knew us and he knew what we are. He knew we are more than our feelings, more than our thoughts. We are our bodies. It isn't so much like you have a body. You are your body. Now, you're more than just a body, but you are, you are a body. And in the world to come, you will have a resurrected body. And so Christ, the physical Christ, gives physical creatures a physical meal to communicate eternal truths. Uh, and so he uh, wants us not so much to speculate about the truth, but to eat the truth and drink the truth. So just notice that he gives us a meal about which he says, this is my body, this is my blood. Second, Jesus gives us association with the elements of that particular dinner. That is, he takes bread and says, this is my body, takes wine and says, this is my blood. Now the imagery makes sense to our senses. Bread looks like skin. Wine looks like blood. But this feast uh, scandalizes because it centers upon the public murder and execution of the only innocent man. So it's not like we're feasting on the symbolic flesh of enemies. We are here feasting upon the only man who didn't deserve a death warrant, who willingly gave his life for you and for me. See, unlike the Jewish Passover, it wasn't the bleeding lamb that was carved up. It was Jesus, the sin bearer. Well, this feast, therefore, is about us ingesting an injustice. That is, the holy God-man offers his own life as the only legitimate sacrifice upon the altar of the cross, thereby cleansing all the guilty like us from all sin, and that all who turn to him are absolutely absolved. Now, you may know that the Jewish leaders in Matthew's gospel say something at Jesus' trial that has been used to fuel anti-Semitism throughout the years, from the Crusades onward, and that is the Jewish leaders cry out as Jesus is being tried, may his blood be upon us, and upon our children, signifying some sort of universal culpability for the Jewish race, or at least that's how it's often been taken. It, I suppose, could be read that way, though I don't think it ought to be. I think there's actually a deeper meaning to it, one that I would pray for me and for everybody in this room. May his blood be upon us and upon our children, meaning may we all be cleansed by the only one who can cleanse us, the one who offers this feast of bread and wine, um, connected to, of course, his offering of body and blood upon the cross. In the Lord's Supper, we consume, we take into ourselves, into our very core, the benefits of Christ's sacrifice. And this reminds us the very thing that we take into our core is critical, because Christianity, at the end of the day, says things about ethics, but it's not principally an ethical code. Has notions that correspond with certain forms of philosophy, but it's ultimately not a philosophy. Christianity is about Christ, and a Christ for you, who gives his body and his blood for you. And we take that in week after week into us. It starts out as the word of God outside of you, and then comes to dwell within you as you consume it. Third, 
Note the intimacy of the words that Jesus uses for this meal. This is my body given for you. This is my blood shed for you. For you. You know, eating anything, anything, is deeply individualistic. You, for example, are never nourished when you simply watch someone else eat a steak. In fact, when you watch someone else eat a steak and you don't have a steak, what it generally does is conjure up sin and jealousy in you that you're not eating a steak, but you certainly won't be nourished by it. Taking Holy Communion, friends, is deeply personal because Jesus addressed this to you. Body and blood given for you. And when he says for you, and when in the liturgy we say that as we distribute bread and wine, please know we're not saying this is the body of Christ given for your pastor. This is the body of Christ given to your doctor. This is the blood of Christ shed for your therapist. This is the body of Christ given for all your friends. That's true, but in that moment, this is the body and blood of Christ that was devastated on the cross for you personally, individually, and deeply. It's an invitation for you to dare to believe that someone loved you enough to bleed, loved you enough to give it all away, and to ingest and integrate that most personal truth in all the world. With all my problems, with all that I am, Jesus did not come to die for a hypothetical me or a better me, but the only me that exists, warts and all. That's the you that God so loves. Fourth, Jesus concludes these remarks at the meal by saying, do this in memory of me. Notice Jesus connects meal and memory. That's how the Exodus and the Passover was remembered. They combined meal and memory. Recall and eating go together. Again, because we're holistic creatures. And notice, friends, Jesus says the do this bit to a community. That is, the disciples of Jesus share this meal together. The meal becomes the mortar that binds together these disparate lives, like a meal can connect any family. But it binds together disparate lives into a family defined by God. Now, all of us in this room, even if we have um, things in common, we have many things that separate us, this room is filled, of course, with men and women, with people that are really broke, and people that haven't known a broke day in their lives, people that have had three fractures in their arm, and people that have never broken a bone, people that have had no trouble getting pregnant and having children, and others that have struggled desperately, people that have been sick continuously since the time they were teenagers, and others who have never been to a hospital, people who are uh, Democrats and people that are Republicans, um, people that love Democrats and people that love Republicans, right? <laughs> people, you know, or, yeah. I mean, it's, I'm just saying it's complicated. But what happens at this place is we take off those hats because here you are not a student or a professor. You're not white collar or blue collar. You're not red or blue. Here we are reduced to our irreducibles in that you are the one whom Jesus loves. Uh, and so we do this as a community. It gives us a new definition. It is the mortar that binds us all. 
We are a family defined by sharing the living memory of Jesus Christ through word and sacrament. So friends, what I'm trying to say tonight in different parts is that this meal recenters us, recenters us on the truth about God and the truth about ourselves, on what matters most. It reorients our lives in the right way upon the grounding of the sacrificial love of God in Christ. You know, there are a lot of stories out there that seek to capture our hearts and imaginations, and they're very effective in getting a lot of people to just nod along and follow in a new path. There's a story of populism, a story of economic growth, a story of proper child-rearing, a story of educational models, a story of wealth, a story of fitness, a story of romance. Each of these stories has something to teach us, but they are all remarkably uneternal. But there is one feast that is truly recentering. It puts us right at God's kitchen table. It welcomes us home, right into the household of the Father. So tonight, eat and drink and discover a courageous Messiah who did not run away from his sacrificial destiny. Eat and drink and discover yourself. That is, someone who is broken beyond measure and yet treasured by a love that has no omega. Eat and drink and discover that your imperfect family, seated all around you, are all needy, bruised, but forgiven. That's your family. Eat and drink and discover the world, the world for which Jesus died, for he sends you as well to be his emissaries of absolution. This meal recenters us. It recenters us upon the irreducible truth. For it declares always, you are the one whom Jesus loves. Sink your teeth into that. There's nothing to stop you. Amen. Free at last, they took your life. They couldn't.